Hey everybody, Eric Bailey alongside Mason Young again for Game Week. Oklahoma football taking on Arkansas State season opener 2023 season team 129. You know what, Mason? I never kept track of how, how many teams there were until Brent Venables got here. Now I know it's team 129, 129 years of Oklahoma football. And here we go. Ready yeah. to go. And yeah, I guess team one for Eric and Mason, right? Right. Yeah, no, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to being around on Saturday, being back in the Oklahoma press box and and watching what's hopefully some high quality football. It'll be good to see the the scenes around the stadium as well, you know, tailgating back on Lindsay Street. They've adjusted Walk of Champions to flow down through Lindsay and onto Jenkins and and around wrapping around the stadium. So uh, lots of lots of new sights to see and and kind of ushering in, you know, another new season of OU football. Thanks, awesome. I gotta get to the the stadium real early now because I got to beat the walk to walk to the walk of champions because I got to get to my parking spot so I got to drive down to Lindsay pretty quick so I can beat the team um that's kind of crazy yeah Arkansas State uh you know it, it's a good opponent for the Sooners um coached by Butch Jones a familiar face played he's played OU three times in the last 13 years so once at Cincinnati two at Arkan or two at while he was at Tennessee and uh, played the Sooners in 2014 in Norman, 2015 in Knoxville. And you had a great story in the Tulsa world this week. You had you caught up with him yesterday. We're taping this on Thursday. You talked to him on Wednesday. Uh, and I thought it was a great read in today's Tulsa world. It's on TulsaWorld.com now. And he, he talked about the loss. It was really Baker Mayfield's coming out party, his third game with the Sooners. Or second, was it second or third? I can't remember. I, uh, it might have been his second game. Second game. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, with the Sooners. Great comeback. They were down 17-3 to in the fourth quarter. Mayfield and the Sooners win a double overtime. Uh, Butch Jones, tough loss for the Vols. 105,000 feet. It was one of the great games I covered. I still remember them singing Rocky Top loud in that stadium. Eric Stryker and Butch Jones get into it in the end zone after the game. Just talk a little bit about talking to Coach Jones yesterday and just with his memories. He he said it haunts him to this day, which was cr a crazy quote. Yeah, that's super cool. And and honestly, like it it he he remembered it very very vividly. He remembers that you know fourth and one play at, at the in the first overtime where Baker Mayfield is supposed to hand it off to P Ryan and he misses the handoff. He ends up just tucking it and falling into the end zone. Um, and then they they go to the second overtime after that. So, it, I mean, it's still a lot of very vivid memories for Butch Jones. Another nugget that he brought up that that I think people have forgotten about is they had a sellout crowd of over 100,000 people. And at that point in time, they set the noise record at Nayland Stadium. It was 114 decibels at one point in there. And I think that was finally surpassed by last year's Alabama-Tennessee game when Tennessee beat Alabama at home. Um, but at the time, that was really impressive and a really, really loud game. It's, it was also really funny, too, to to ask him about the exchange with Eric Stryker. Um, obviously, he didn't like that Eric was celebrating after the game, and he told him to have some class. Um, and apparent, apparently, Butch says, you know, he doesn't remember it. He thinks it's kind of funny now. And, and by and large, he it seemed like he really enjoyed that competitive energy that Eric Stryker brought to the table in OU as a whole. He said that's going to be indicative of what OU is going to have to have to excel every week in the SEC when there's no off weeks, everyone is good, as Brent Venables, as a coach, he's living year to year, trying to develop, trying to recruit, trying to perform, and trying to stand up to scrutiny. Uh, he, Butch talked about the conference's slogan, it just means more. He said anybody that's really coached in the SEC, they actually fully believe that and buy into that. So he has pretty good confidence, though. He spoke highly of Brent Venables and said that he feels like OU, with its history and its tradition, 
and Brent's success at Clemson, that they should be able to acclimate well to the SEC. Also asked Butch about a couple other games, um, a loss to OU when he was the head coach at Cincinnati in 2010. They had some plays that didn't go their way. Um, Isaiah Pede had a 77-yard run in that game. They got called back. Uh, he got ruled down prematurely. Um, and, and But it was a great game. They played at the Bengals Stadium, and, and Butch seemed to really enjoy that one, and they came close to winning, only lost 31-29. to and, and then for this year, Butch talked a little bit about the goals for Arkansas State. We obviously know from the game contract that they're getting $1.35 million to come play OU here in Norman. But for Butch Jones and Arkansas State, Kind of the greater uh, theme here is you've got the college football playoff expanding in 2024. That's going to open up more opportunities for more group of five teams like Arkansas State. And while his first two years at ASU have not been great, he's hoping that his team improves enough to have a shot at a college football playoff berth in the years to come when there's more opportunities available to them. You know, it's really neat for him to come in. This is a young team, what, two wins, three wins last couple of years? It five total wins over the past two years. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 So this is a team that, you know, it's an opportunity for the, all these players are going to come to a big stadium, play in front of 80,000 fans and get a, a chance to play against one of the best teams in the country. So uh, they're coming in and, and, and Butch Jones has played in this atmosphere and it's an opportunity for his team to go out there and prove what they can do. So it, it's an opportunity game for the Red Wolves Sunbelt Conference team. So we'll see what happens. We had an opportunity this week to see the depth chart. I know it's a it's a it's a neat thing for uh, fans. I know they're anxious. I know it's for the players too. Uh, kind of you know not a lot of surprises at some of the positions. Of course, quarterback. You know, Dylan Gabriel is going to be the quarterback. Uh, I think the biggest surprise was running back when we saw Marcus Major and Tawi Walker uh, both uh, at the top of the running back position. Tawi Walker a walk on still to this day. Uh, you know, a chance to be a starting running back ahead of Javante Bars, Gavin Sawcheck. I think that was the biggest surprise in offense. You look at the defense, um, only one player on the defensive line that has that starting spot locked in, and that was Rondell Bothroyd, a guy who played five years at Wake Forest, a lot of experience, but a lot of a lot of depth on that defensive line, which is something that they lacked last year. And I think you got a lot of guys. That's a good sign when you can rotate so many players. And for me, uh, Gentry Williams being a cornerback, uh, just a really feel-good story with his resiliency, with what what he went through in the spring with his issue with the uh, with the uh, the spring ball with the cardiac issue, and then turn around and 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 earn what he did in the fall camp. Those were the things that really stood out to me on this camp. And we'll break this depth chart down, but those were the the big things that stood out for me. What really stood out on this depth chart for you, Mason? Yeah, a couple other things I would I would add. One, Justin Harrington being the starter at Cheetah. I think everybody thought um, Dason McCullough comes in as a transfer from Indiana, and he was a freshman All-American last season. And he obviously is going to be a very good player for OU this season and down the road, and he should get his fair share at Cheetah. Uh, but after the Justin Harrington hype last year, and he was in and out of the defensive rotations last year and really didn't maybe excel as much as people thought they would, everybody just kind of thought the hype around him going into this season was just another fad. But it sounds like, based on everything that the coaching staff has said, that he's just consistently been consistent in practice. He's made plays, and by virtue of that, he's won a starting job. His journey is crazy. He came to OU in 2020 as a junior college transfer. He missed the entire season because of injury. In 2021, he leaves the team in the middle of the season, then decides to come back in 2022. But as a walk-on, he doesn't have a scholarship at that point. And now, still as a walk-on, he is a team captain for week one, and he's going to be the starter at one of the most important positions in Brent Venable's defense. So to see the journey that he's been on and to now excel and, and, and to land in this starting position is pretty remarkable. I also thought it was really interesting what Brent Venable said about special teams. 
Billy Bowman is, is listed as as one of the kick returners for special teams. And everybody remembers Billy got hurt on a kick return against TCU last year. And after that, he only returned one kick the rest of the season. He's obviously OU's best safety and will be starting back there with Reggie Pearson, Texas Tech transfer, who's another uh, highly touted guy that everybody's going to be looking forward to seeing on Saturday. But a lot of people question, why would you use Billy Bowman in kick return after what happened last season? And Brent Venable's whole point was, we lost five games by one score. Like, we can't just afford to save him. He's a really talented kick returner, and we want to maximize that in order to help us win games. So, obviously, Jalil Farouk will get some chances, and it looks like Peyton Bowen, the freshman safety, five-star, is going to get some chances as well. But OU's going to try to get the most that it can out of Billy Bowman on kick return. The wide receiver position is going to be really interesting, too, because, uh, you know, we look at the four starters, Andre Anthony, Drake Stoops, and Jalil Farouk, and then at, at tight end, Austin Stogner. You, you have some familiar names there, but depth-wise, uh, Jeff Levy has said over and over that he has six or seven guys. He goes six or seven deep. The big question is, who are those six or seven guys going to be? There's a lot of names, a lot of unproven names. Nick Anderson, young guy. A uh, guy that, you know, we really haven't seen a lot of. Uh, L.V. Bunkley-Shelton, another guy who, you know, just haven't seen a lot of. Um, Want to see what Jaden Gibson can do. Uh, you know, how are his hands going to be? Are they going to be more uh, consistent this year? We'll see what happens there. Uh, we know what Gavin Freeman do. Congratulations to him getting on scholarship. Uh, Petaway, the freshman coming in, a lot of talent, but he's young. Uh, D.J. Graham moved over from cornerback to wide receiver. He's on the depth chart, too. So, it, there's a lot of names that we know, but what can they do? And I think that coming into this season, that was the one thing we were wondering about is um, who are some of the guys that are going to be deeper down the depth chart that are going to contribute this year? You know, one player that's not on any of this list is uh, Brennan Thompson, the guy from Texas who transferred over. We don't see him anywhere on the depth chart. I know he, he was dinged up a little bit too, but um, his speed alone to stretch a defense. I mean, can he, come out and contribute as well. So I think the wide receiver position is one that we really have to keep an eye on as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think we kind of heard and, and kind of felt like towards the end of fall camp that Andrew Anthony was really excelling in scrimmages, that he was building rapport with Dylan Gabriel and that he was likely going to be the third starter. So I'll be very interested to see how early and how often Dylan Gabriel targets him deep this Saturday just to see what Anthony's got in the bag. This is a guy that didn't have a lot of production at Michigan, but obviously Michigan is a very run-heavy offense. They're regularly one of the top rushing teams in the country. And so now to come to OU to a place that's a little bit more balanced and a place where Jeff Lebby and Dylan Gabriel want to take chances down the field, it'll be really interesting to see if Andrew Anthony can kind of take over um, as OU's number one deep threat um, in the way that Marvin Mims has been over the past three years. Offensive line is what we thought it would be. I mean, you got left tackle Walter Rouse, you got left guard Savion Bird, you got center Andrew Rain, you got right guard McKay Matire, you got right tackle Tyler Guyton, you got a lot of experience. And you know what? That's going to help that young running backs group because they're going to be able to open the lanes. Uh, I think Bill Biedenboe feels really confident about this group, and it's going to allow uh, Dylan Gabriel, you know, time to throw the ball. It's going to it's, it's it, it starts up front, and I think that that's going to be really good. Uh, so I think that's going to help the offense hum as well. Um, going back to the running backs, I'm really curious who's going to be the leading rusher. I wonder how many, uh, you know, you got to really see who's going to get reps, who's going to be the running back that's going to get the most touches on Saturday. I, I'm kind of curious, who, who, you know, are we going to see Tawi Walker get 10, 10 touches? Are we going to see Marcus Major get 10 touches? I mean, there's only so many handoffs you're going to get. And I'm kind of curious which running back is going to get the most touches. 
Yeah, it, it will be very interesting to see that play out. I think we kind of think of Marcus Major as more of a bruiser. He's the early down guy that's going to be pretty forceful. It sounds like Tawi Walker has some pass catching abil- ability, so maybe he's third downs and then he he still mixes in on some early downs some. Uh, it, it, it really is surprising to see both of them ahead of Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes after how those guys excelled in the bowl game. I think you also want to see them uh, as much as you can on Saturday to make sure Javante is completely healthy from the issue with his foot he was having that cost him spring ball. And you want to see what kind of gaps, uh, progress Gavin has made in the offseason after redshirting only playing two games last year. Uh, but, yeah, it, it will be very interesting to see how they split that up. Jeff Levy said that they already have some stuff in mind for how they want to distribute the touches, but he also knows that uh, in certain situations you have to ride the hot hand, and I guess we'll just see who that is on Saturday. You think we see any Jackson Arnold or a lot of Jackson Arnold on Saturday? Yeah, I think there's a good chance. I mean, this, the spread on this game is, what, 35 and a half points, and the over is around – is around or over-under is around 55. I, I don't think it's going to really be that competitive, and so – you know, maybe Jackson Arnold even plays the entire second half. Like the last, the last time that uh, I, I don't know that OU is like that much. Like Arkansas State is is comparable to like FCS Missouri State, but I just remember like one of the first games I ever covered was uh, Missouri State in 2020, and Spencer Rattler only played the first half of that game. I mean, he threw like four touchdown passes and he was out. And so I think we could see the same thing. If the offense comes out and put up numbers with Gabriel early, then maybe Jackson Arnold gets the entirety of the, or the majority of the second half. Let's switch over uh, to the defense side of the ball. And, you know, we talked again about what that defensive line looks like. Uh, a lot of oars, Rondell Bothroyd uh, on, on the defensive inside. But then when you look at the tackle position, uh, Jonah Laulu, Laulu, I got to say his name right, <laughs> and Jordan Kelly, a lot of experience there, a defensive tackle. They're got an oar separating them, nose tackle, Isaiah Cole and Dejon Terry separated by an oar. Defensive end on the other side, you got Trace Ford and Ethan Downs, and you got Richie Grimes behind them even. He was a starter last year, so you got a lot of experience on that, that front. That's what you like to see, though. You like to see all those uh, oars. That means you can rotate a lot of players. If you're Todd Bates and if you're uh, Miguel Chavis, you can really, really play a lot of players, and that's really going to help that defensive line, being able to rotate so many players in all the time. Yeah, I think this quality of depth, at least on paper, is not something we've seen OU have in a long time. I think the three guys I'm most interested to see um, how they play on Saturday will be Lulu, Terry, and then Ford. Lulu, because he was a defensive end last year and he added over 30 pounds to move inside, I asked Brett Venables about that transition on Tuesday, and he said that they felt he felt like they didn't have great leadership inside last year, but Jonah Lulu is the fix to that, and, and his emergence in the middle um, has been really helpful for them. He's still a little bit undersized for the middle at around like 290, but that gives him some pass rushing ability that maybe some of their bigger guys don't have. Terry, I just want to see because he's over, I want to say, around like 330 pounds. He's just a massive human being, and I want to see what kind of trouble he can cause in the middle. And then with four. Obviously, the, the offseason storylines of his transfer from Oklahoma State and, and the backlash to that from Oklahoma State fans. But this is also a guy that, when healthy, was very productive for OSU. And it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the table in his first game as a Sooner. One player I want to see, uh, looking forward to seeing, you know, we, we didn't talk about our Mason Thomas. See, he's another defensive end, uh, had a great first season. Looking forward to seeing him. But also, uh, P.J. Adebore, uh, the talented freshman from the Kansas City area, five-star guy. Uh, you know, we may see him, uh, you know, in limited action, maybe select 
downs for that first season. But I think he's a guy has years to come. You're really going to see a lot of him going forward. Uh, hopefully we'll get to see him and see what he can do in his early, early in his career and maybe as early as Saturday, just to see certain, see him get on the field and make plays. Uh, looking forward to seeing his game. Uh, the two linebackers, uh, you know, of course, this is Danny Stutzman's defense. Uh, you know, you know what you're going to get with Danny Stutzman at the weak side linebacker. Looking forward to him. But one guy we didn't talk a lot about during, uh, during, uh, during uh, spring or fall camp is uh, Darren Kanick. Uh, he, he he's got the he's got the starting mic position. Uh, he knows the importance of his role, he, and he's a guy who played offense in high school, and he's just had a lot of physical talent. Uh, in last year, it was a learning year for him. And Brent Venables even said, you know, he he just didn't get it last year, but that's part of being a freshman. Now they've thrown a lot at him. He's done a lot of film study. He's grown. He's matured. Now they got him out there. He, he beat out Connor Near for that mic position. Uh, Kobe McKenzie's behind him as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, uh, Jaron Kanick making that next step and work, when, uh, working out uh, alongside Danny Stutzman, seeing what those two can do at the linebacker position. Right, absolutely. And again, it's, a, it's another position where, and not to pump up the OU coach's buzzword of competitive depth, but it's it's a place where that is in abundance more than it has been in the past. When you look at near Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis backing up Danny Stutzman after having a really great spring, some of the freshmen that they brought in at that at that position, Kanick's still going to have to go win that job every week. And, and, and things projected really well for him right now. It sounds like he's grown a lot. He's watched a lot of film and learned a lot more about how the defense works and what he's supposed to be doing. So it'll be exciting to see him uh, bring that out on Saturday and, and, and see how he performs against Arkansas State. But that competition is, is one that's that's still going to be ongoing throughout the season, probably. Secondary, we talked a little bit about Gentry Williams at cornerback, uh, but that's an ongoing competition too. I mean, you know, as, as much as, you know, we'd say he earned that position, Brent Venables was quick to tamp that down and say that, you know, Kendall Dolby, McCory Vickers, and um, – Jacoby Johnson are still fighting for that that role too, but Gentry came out on top. And again, you know, it's good for him, Booker T. Washington graduate, uh, to go out there and really show some resiliency and some heart to go out there and, and earn that position. He's going to be opposite Woody Washington, who elder statesman on this defense. Woody Washington's been through the battles. He's he, in Brent Vittable's words, he's scarred up. He's played a lot of football at Oklahoma. He's another team captain on this team. So. Uh, looking forward to seeing them them two at the corner positions. Uh, and then at safety, free safety, Reggie Pearson and Key Lawrence. That's a battle right there. Those are two veteran football players who you'll probably see a lot of the, a lot of game from those two, as well as uh, Robert Spears Jennings, the broken arrow uh, graduate coming off shoulder surgery. We'll see how he comes along, his health coming along early in the season. Uh, Spears Jennings showed some good signs uh, or late last year. Uh, looking forward to seeing his growth and that strong safety, two talented underclassmen, or not underclassmen, Billy Bowman's in his third season, excuse me, but Billy Bowman and Peyton Bowen. Uh, gosh, looking forward to Peyton Bowen seeing his growth as well as Day McCullough, uh, younger brother, Dayson McCullough, the Indiana transfer. But Billy Bowman and Peyton Bowen, Bowman, oh, let me start over. Billy Bowen, okay, start over. Billy Bowman and Peyton Bowen, I'm going to mess that up, at strong safety. Uh, those are two outstanding players at strong safety. Yeah, 100%. Excited to see what Peyton Bowen can do. I think we've already got a taste of it. We saw him pick off Dylan Gabriel in the spring game. We've heard that he's picked off Jackson Arnold a couple times in practice. Just a lot of sheer talent. I think he's he's going to be the – the. we know what we're going to get from Billy Bowman. It's consistency. He's, he's done that for two years now at OU, uh, really even three – 
if you if you count his freshman year, he's banged up a little bit. But uh, we've seen consistency from Billy Bowman. We know Reggie Pearson is a really physical guy based on the hit that he laid on Dylan Gabriel uh, when he was when he was at uh, Texas Tech last season. You're looking for Peyton Bowen to kind of step up and and really be that essentially just third safety and and really really make an impact early and, and set a good precedent for what his OU career is going to be. Special teams, uh, you know, we go to special teams. Uh, Zach Schmidt, the kicker, uh, had his first season done. He he uh, 12, twelve, I think twelve of eighteen, uh, kicking field goals. Uh, you know, had a couple misses late, uh, and there was a lot of three point losses. So he's talked about getting better, growing, understanding. It was a learning year last year. He's looking forward, and Brent Venable says a lot of faith in him. He's going to work with a new uh, long snapper, Ben Anderson, new holder, J- Josh Plaster. So we'll see what happens there. New uh, punting competition. I don't know who's going to punt. Luke Elzinga, Josh Plaster, Ashton Logan. We don't know who's going to go. We'll just find out who's going to get out there and punt balls this this weekend. I think, who knows? We might see all three. We'll just see what happens. So uh, kick return, you mentioned it a little earlier. Billy Bowman, is he going to return kicks? You mentioned Peyton Bowen. I want to see him. That That's the thing I want to see. I want to see him go out there and return punts or kicks. I'm sorry. Uh, he just seems so dynamic with the ball in his hands. And uh, talk about a playmaker. I'm looking forward to that. Jalil Farouk is on the depth chart as a kick returner, too. Those are three playmakers right there. Power returners, Gavin Freeman, uh, Drake Stoops, LB Bunkley Shelton. Uh, looking forward to all three of those guys in the return game. So, but uh, I think the one to watch for me is Peyton Bowen. I, I just want to see him with the ball in his hands. Absolutely. I, I think also to the point of Brent Venable saying we're going to use Billy Bowman, it's the same thing with Jalil Farouk. You you expect and hope that he's going to be your, your number one wide receiver this year, but at the same time, he's also very dynamic anyway. He gets the ball in his hands. They used him as a rusher a lot last year. And so the more that you can get the ball in his hands, uh, that's a great perk as well. So I bet we'll see him on kickoff return a lot as well. Well, before we wrap up, we went through the depth chart, um, some house cleaning, uh, get a chance to talk to Brent. Of course, he can never say the word David Stone until signing day, but you know he celebrated David Stone signing over the weekend. That's a huge pickup for the Sooners, five-star defensive tackle. Uh, you know, he had a battle Miami late. It sounds like very late. David Stone sounds like he was considering Miami till the, the very last moment before choosing Oklahoma last Saturday. It's a huge recruiting win for the Sooners. They needed that type of player. They've had a lot of losses, but to get him to come to Oklahoma, that's huge. You know, Del, he started his career at Dell City High School uh, to go to Oklahoma. That's the kind of player they need. And if you're an Oklahoma fan, you hope that that opens the door for even more uh, talented defensive linemen, not only defensive linemen, but talented players to play on that defense, because that's the type of players you need if you're going to compete in the SEC in 2024. You need that recruiting base. It, it, it's the players that make the team. So big win. And, and Brent says, you know, we're going to celebrate hard when we get those type of players, but you can't celebrate long because you got to keep getting those players. Right. And speaking of that, there's Dominic McKinley. He's a five-star defensive tackle from Louisiana that's announcing his commitment tomorrow, Friday. Uh, we don't, we don't, I don't, I don't know that there's extreme optimism that OU is going to land him. It sounds like Texas has a, has a pretty good footprint and a, and a good foothold on his recruitment, but you start to hear more and more about OU as this week wears on. That's exactly what they need is they need more talent like a McKinley to pair with David Stone to give them future depth on their SEC defensive line. So we'll see how, what McKinley chooses tomorrow. Uh, it could be another situation like David Stone where he's about to grab one hat and then he picks up another. So who, who knows? Maybe he'll maybe he'll shock the world and he will pick OU. Uh, but, but that'll be an interesting situation to monitor tomorrow afternoon. 
All right. Well, Mason, it sounds like uh, we're here finally game week. And next week when we meet, we'll be talking about the first Oklahoma football game. We'll be diagnosing what happened and then or looking back at what happened and then looking ahead to SMU come into town. So uh, get all your coverage. Mason and I will break down the first game at all at TulsaWorld.com. And again, all your podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever platform that you get your podcast, uh, be sure and hit us up. We'll be here all season long, every week, breaking down everything Oklahoma football-wise. Thanks for listening.